So it's time to break out your big box of isobars. Here's Andre. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather science, earth science, and periodically some off-topic things as well. I am the host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Mornier, the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 254 for Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. And this is an appropriate episode because last night, as the colder air came in, we saw lake effect, lake effect ruffle, lake effect snow, in some cases putting down just enough to coat some of the lawns across northeast Ohio interior, the typical lake effect areas, the typical high ground east of Cleveland, picking up that snowfall. So, With that initial blast of winter, we're going to talk winter today. And my special guest, and we do this virtually every year, and it's always a lot of fun, and it always gets a lot of airplay. Apparently, people share this episode a lot, because when two weather nerds get together and talk shop, apparently, it's kind of sort of interesting. And I would at least hope so, because we are talking about the winter weather outlook. It's a huge annual affair. We had that on Fox 8 News on Friday, October the 29th. And if you'd like to see that, I have on episode number 254 at weatherjazz.com, the video that we did or the television segment that we aired on Fox 8 News at 6 p.m. on October the 29th. It's only three minutes long, and there's just so much information that we can actually give in that three-minute period. Weather Jazz gives us an opportunity to really dig into the weeds, to talk about the parameters, talk about what's important, and why we are looking at certain things that drive the seasonal forecast. So Scott Sable, our morning meteorologist on WJW Television, joined me just moments ago, and we started putting all of the pieces and parts together very slowly and explaining some of the reasons why we were looking at certain things this year as opposed to other years, as well as some interesting statistics that I think you are going to find fascinating. Tell someone about it. If they're into the winter weather outlook, seasonal outlooks, this is the one for them. Episode number 254 on weatherjazz.com or any podcast app. So without further delay, let's dive in and let's chat with Scott Sable. Hey, Scott. Welcome to Weather Jazz. Andre, how's it going? It's been a few weeks, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, but you're no stranger to weather jazz. You're, in fact, people really enjoy when two weather nerds get together and talk weather and, in some cases, uh, sling around terms that are really weather nerdy. And in most cases, they probably are scratching their heads going, what is that? What is that? So it's it's popular. So, in fact, the winter weather outlook one is probably the most popular of all of the outlook and weather nerd conversations on uh, weather jazz. So this will this will be interesting, as it always is. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun because, you know, the science of, of, of seasonal outlooks has come a long way over the last couple of decades. And we'll dive into that. I know we've talked about it before on your uh, on your podcast. So, uh, yeah, we'll get right into it. OK, here we go. Winter 2021, 2022. One of the first things that we always look at, uh, the primary driver not to say it's the only one, but it is one of the primary drivers. And it's probably the first one that was really recognized as being a seasonal driver is the ENSO, uh, the La Nina or La Nina or El Nino or La Nada, which is nothing neutral. Uh, basically, the Pacific waters. Is it warm? Is it cold? Or is it normal? And uh, let's start there with uh, the... Uh, what we have going on this year and what are we looking right. at? So sure, sure. So we'll go back to last year. Last year we had a La Nina. All right. And depending upon what, what metric you used, either, either it was weak or some people say it was moderate, which was a driver, one of the drivers of our winter last year. Mm-hmm. And it kind of faded a little bit in the summer. It kind of went neutral and now it's kind of popping back up again. So we were at now in a La Nina pattern. Um, so the question now remains is, how strong of a La Nina do we get into? There's just like El Nino, there's different flavors, right? Where does the cool water, where, where does it, uh, where is it centered in the Pacific? Is it in the center along the equator? Is it West or East? Just like El Nino, you know, a lot of the big El Nino mm-hmm. winners, a lot of you, a lot of warmth close to um, South America, or it's a central based La Nina, or is it a Modoki? There's different flavors, right, which right. obviously can change the position of the jet stream, which ultimately changes our weather. Uh, so we're in a, La Nina. Now I looked at some numbers here and I got a sheet here, which you can't see, but I looked at some of the La Nina winners in the last 20 years. And there have been four, five, six, seven, nine of them. Uh, and five of those were really weak. Two were moderate and two of them were strong. And the last super strong El Nino for us during the winter was 2010, 2011. Uh, well, actually, 2015, 2016 mm-hmm. was uh, was a big El Nino winner, but we weren't right into La Nina. So they do happen. They just don't get as much publicity as maybe an El Nino. Right, right. Um, uh, and the La Nina does have a uh, quite an impact, even though El Nino is probably a well a more well-known impact, uh, seasonal impact here in the wintertime. Uh, and you're right on, spot on about La Nina. It doesn't necessarily mean that the entire country is going to be seeing a cold, snowy winter. Now, we all know that the old far- Farmer's Almanac, by and large, this year, and of course, they don't necessarily use these parameters that we're talking about here today, but they went with a, a pretty cold, snowy winter across a good chunk of the country. Now, we do have La Nina. La Ninas tend to favor that kind of winter here in uh, the Ohio Valley 
But as you said, we have different flavors and we have different things going on in the atmosphere uh, this year, as is the case every single year. La Nina. We do. Mm -hmm. Does that necessarily mean a cold, snowy winter? Well, you know what? It's funny because last year when we were entering in the La Nina for last winter, I worked up a sheet and it took me a long time because snowfall anomaly mm-hmm. maps are very hard to come by. You have to create them. You can find them. But if you're looking for specific numbers, sometimes you have to create them. So I looked at a whole bunch of cities here. I'll rattle off the cities um, and then you can kind of visualize this. I looked at Des Moines, kind of a sample of the Great Lakes in the Ohio Valley, Des Moines, Iowa, Chicago, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Green Bay. Cincinnati, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Minneapolis, Grand Rapids, which is a big lake effect community Mm -hmm. off of Lake Michigan, Cleveland, Marquette, Michigan, and Traverse City. So when you look at that, I just kind of got a smattering of of cities and I plotted the overlying months. So I I looked at November, December, January, February, March, and April. So the three periods for each La Nina year. And I was trying to find a pattern. And when you look at it, there really is no definitive pattern mm. of saying, oh, well, if we're in a strong La Nina, we have above normal snowfall or vice versa. It kind of all over the place. Right. And just looking at those numbers, and I know that's just one metric, it, it, it goes to show you that that's just not the only driver. There were a lot of years here where they had above normal snowfall, and there are a lot of years where it was snowfall was virtually non-existent. Mm. So when you look at something like that, it kind of dumped tails into what we were alluding to, that there are a lot of other drivers of this winter, just like there were in past winters, that could be kind of, could take over for periods of time. Well, let's get into one of the other drivers that I think uh, really got our attention this year, and that is the fact that we have a a stratospheric warming event over the poles Mm -hmm. in northern Canada, and a very significant one. It's not just a minor one. It looks like it's going to essentially drive the cold air uh, into the continental United States and continental Canada for a period of, you know, 30, 45, maybe even 60 days. Uh, This looks very strong, and that may contribute to the La Nina early on. Um, And, um, well, we'll see where that goes, but uh, that has some implications because, as you know, the Great Lakes... Uh, the the water temperature is above normal this year. Really is. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at the numbers here uh, for Lake Erie and I'm looking at the satellite drive data. So it's the average of the entire lake. It varies from point Mm -hmm. to point. But just a couple of days ago, Lake Erie was still at 60 degrees. I mean, last year it was already at 55. Mm -hmm. Five degree temperature difference is super significant. This is the warmest it's ever been in early November. Um, So usually even in a warmer, a cold fall, the the lake water temperature by the end of December, early January will even out. You know, everything kind of kind of reverts back to, you know. But in the meantime, like you said, if we end up getting, uh, you know, a little bit of a polar vortex break off and we end up getting you know, some serious cold. If the, if we get enough cold interacting with the warm lakes, you know, we could be looking at some serious snow. That's just one variable, but, but at least we have that condition and that variable that's present. Um, the big question is when do we see the first one? We're already seeing kind of signs of some colder air coming in and about, well, we're recording this on what, uh, November 3rd now. So by the middle of the month, mm-hmm. that might have some staying power as we approach Thanksgiving week. So that's at least the first Little, little, little taste of winter weather that might be on the, in the, in the short term. Shades of 1996. Uh, I, re- I remember yeah, that. That was the year that uh, Sally was pregnant, my wife. 
And uh, boy, do I ever remember that because Bill Martin, he was still in in Ohio and still working as a news anchor. He was on the West Side and we would call each other up in the afternoon and and, uh, basically said, hey, what are you doing? Well, I was on the roof shoveling snow, 39 inches of heavy wet snow off my roof and it was creaking and it was groaning. It was not happy. And he right. said, what are you? I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm playing golf. <laughs> so there's, I remember that. There's no snow. <clears throat> so, I mean, it was. I remember. Uh, I, yeah. yeah crazy. I was working down at Berkeley for an airport mm-hmm. um, doing some uh, doing some forecasting for a company that that year and or that that period. And I remember waking up Sunday morning and you see the pattern. <clears throat> and I remember not sleeping for 60 hours because mm. I had worked. I was working a bunch of jobs and I was young and I could do that kind of thing. But the snow bands just kept going and you're watching it going, is this for real? And just one after another. And it didn't really, I mean, it was from like a Sunday through a Thursday, right, right. something like that. And, uh, you know, not saying we're going to get that type of snow, no. um, you know, and something like this, but, but, you know, this is the time of year where if we were to get a big snow, you know, the conditions, at least the water temperature is certainly favorable for it. All right. We're going to take a quick break right here. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the winter in general, because we're only covering the, the, the first half uh, right now, meaning it's going to right. be cold and potentially snowy with lake effect. But we'll talk about the whole winter as a whole. And uh, I want to toss some statistical analysis your way. You're a numbers guy. I know you like mm-hmm. stats. And so I'm going to toss some stats your way and see what you have to say about it. Uh, So, uh, all right, hang tight. We'll be right back with Scott Sable. We're back, and it's time to um, really talk about the whole winter instead of just the start of it. Now, the start of it is probably going to get our attention. And a lot of people may think, "Uh uh-oh, if it's starting this way, this is going to be nasty. That's not necessarily the case. And uh, this this may be a good year to to uh, basically talk about that because uh, you know the the strat warm events have a tendency to dictate things for a month two max so that doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to hold true as we head into January and February uh, let's talk about what we might see this year. Right. So a lot of what drives and and people have to remember that the atmosphere is not it's not a linear process. It's Mm. not just, okay. well, this happens. Therefore, this happens. End of story. There's so many different moving parts here. And when we talk about the stratospheric warming, you know, we're also looking at the behavior of La Nina and also the MJO, which is the Madden-Julian Oscillation, which is also running around the equator. And it has different level, different magnitudes, right? Strong or weak. And La Nina and and, and the MJO kind of feed off of one another. But for, and I'm overly simplifying here, but the MJO can send ripples into the atmosphere, the La Nina at the, at the equator. And those ripples in the atmosphere can go up to the higher latitudes and it can actually influence the, uh, the polar vortex and it can influence the degree of the warming. So all of these different factors are going to come into play. Um, like you had mentioned, Andre, at the beginning of the winter, we're really looking for the MJO if it heads into a favorable phase. And there's eight phases of the MJO. And we're looking at to be in a favorable phase, hopefully, if you like snow. And if that does, and it coincides with the polar vortex, um, you know, that could be the ingredient for maybe above normal snowfall, you know, between now and, and the end of December. 
one other thing we're looking at here, and then we'll and we'll get to the numbers. And this is some data and some research um, that's been ongoing now. Um, Dr. Judah Cohen does the research on this, and he's published some papers on the uh, Eurasian snow cover. So right in the middle of Asia and Europe, mm. and he looks at how quickly does the snow cover advance or not advance. And he has tied that directly to the strength of the polar vortex. So when you look at how quickly the snow advances in October, early November, that can directly correlate to the weakness or the strength of the polar vortex. So right now it is starting to accelerate the advancement. So if there's any indication there, that might be one of the other drivers too of the polar vortex weakening and for us to get, you know, more cold air between now and the end of the year. Okay, the past six winters, we have had pretty much below normal snowfall. We've had a couple of years where it got close to normal, but it it Mm -hmm. was still shy. Six winters of below normal snowfall uh, for the running 30-year mean or 30-year average is unprecedented. That's never happened. Quite frankly, I didn't expect that to happen last year. To have a seventh one would also be really ridiculous. Now, the atmosphere does not pay attention to statistics, but just like when you flip a coin and you have it come up heads six times, what is the chance that it's going to come up heads a seventh time? You're, You're getting decreasing chance of that happening, unless, of course, you have a weighted quarter or coin (laughs) but let's say you don't right statistically it's crazy now we do have a year where we have la nina a strong chance of above normal snowfall uh november and december uh but uh, we are looking at that southeast ridge uh, which for the last six winters has done some crazy things to the storm track uh, and put it in some really crazy positions. And for us, that has meant not much snow. In fact, last year, what was it? In the month of, uh, it was either February or March. I'll have to look again. But we hardly got anything uh, in that one month. So right. could we see that again this year, even though November and December, the atmosphere may kind of uh, <laughs> rule with an iron fist? Right, right. You know, is it possible? Sure. Is it likely? Highly doubted. I mean, you know, we'll see. The Southeast Ridge will be the is the is the wild card. You know, you look at the Southeast Ridge as being high pressure off the East Coast, and if it starts, you know, retrograding back west or north, um, that could very well uh, dampen the polar vortex. You know, at some at, 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 during certain periods of time. I remember during the week La Nina year of 17 and 18, 2017 and 18, and I remember our outlook, we nailed that outlook because I remember thinking this Southeast Ridge and we're going to have a ridge off off the West Coast and we're going to have some sort of trough in the middle of the country. And that year, just like last year, we ended up having big storm tracks through the middle of the country, through the Great Lakes, parts of the Great Lakes, Chicago, northern Indiana, Wisconsin, and they got blasted with above normal snowfall. I remember tracking those panhandle mm-hmm. type systems mm-hmm. uh, the West, and the West East systems. We, in 17 and 18 and last year, and I think the year before, we came very close a couple of times to getting blasted with a big snow. Um, and I say that because... It only takes a couple of those big, big systems to shift the 
snowfall numbers above normal. So given we have very similar characteristics this winter, and I still think the Southeast Ridge will play a part, but I don't think this winter overall the Southeast Ridge will be as strong. It'll pop from time to time and we might go, you know, a couple of weeks without seeing any snow and we'll probably wonder, wait a minute here, is is winter over? Mm. And then it'll, and then it'll back off again. We'll start to have the active Alberta Clipper storm track and, and snow will probably, you know, commence again. And if that Southeast Ridge is not as prevalent, uh, there is a chance that it'll just push the storm track into our neck of the woods instead of Indianapolis, instead of Chicago. And uh, so we may continue with, uh, at least periodically, Mm -hmm. some intermittent heavy snowfalls January and February, and perhaps, in fact, uh, statistically, March, with the the kinds of analogs that we're looking at, goes back into the cold and snowy category. So Spring may have a tough time emerging next year. The it way will. It's looking. You know, really cool. You talked about the MJO. Um, there's there's some papers and there's one paper and I printed out this sheet here because it really summarized how the behavior of the Madden-Julian Oscillation can impact the Arctic and can also impact the NAO or the North Atlantic mm-hmm. pattern. Mm-hmm. It's weird when you think of the tropics and the Pacific influencing something in the Northern Atlantic, but typically positive North Atlantic oscillation regimes tend to be preceded by phase three or four of the MJO, meaning that you get phase three or four, it's more conducive for the Arctic and the cold air to stay up north. If the MJO tends to be in phase six and seven, the North Atlantic oscillation tends to be favorable for colder outbreaks. So there you go. We're looking for the MJO to be in those six, seven phases. Phase eight is strongly uh, correlates to nor'easters. So we're looking at phase six, seven, and eight, especially as we turn the corner into January and February. So that's kind of what we look at here. I, I, did, I, I had wrote that out and I wanted to mention that before we kind of got into the uh, into any more detail. Mm-hmm. The uh, 30 year mean, or at least the latest one that I calculated, 66 has probably gone down to 65 inches now or 64. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but uh, it, basically, it's in the mid 60s. And uh, so for this winter, we did go uh, in the 65 to 75, 74 inch category, basically near or above normal snowfall. Um, yeah, it's entirely impossible, entirely possible rather that uh, we get a whole lot more than that if the, that storm track is active. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. I really doubt, and I'm sensing the same from you, I'm really doubting that we're going to have a light snowfall year this year. Right, right. And I'm also looking at currently, you're seeing a lot of these low pressure systems coming in off of Eastern Asia, and then they're going up into the Gulf of Alaska. Mm, And then they track through the Bering Sea, and then they kind of pinwheel themselves through British Columbia. We're seeing that, that pattern. In fact, we started noticing it back. I remember tweeting out October 5th. I said, you know what? We're, it's warm. It's 80 degrees, Mm -hmm. but wait till the end of October. We're going to start to see the beginnings of this progressive pattern. And we're seeing it now, uh, even though we're going to get a little bit of a warm up next week. So that's kind of what we're looking at too. We kind of look at how these, how they behave. Uh, Are they progressive? 
Do they tend tend to stall over one location? So we'll see if this stays progressive like this over the next several months. You know, we could be it, it could be a very interesting here in a very snowy November and December. So I think that'll set. Last year too, by the way, we had we had twenty four inches of snow by December thirty first right. last winter. Right. Remember, of course, a lot of that was around Christmas time. So so we'll see whether or not that happens around that time. One more note before we put this uh, episode. Uh, into uh, into the annals of um, of permanency so that people can go back and say, gee, I wonder if they were right. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the analogs in particular that was highlighted by Joe Bastardi, our friend. Uh, he's, uh, he is just a phenomenal uh, long-range forecaster and... Uh, Really good at looking at analogs, but there was one analog year. In other words, the same parameters that we're seeing in the setup for the winter. What did those winters look like in the past? There's one analog that is just outright scary, and uh, that was 1950. Um, And he didn't dismiss it, but he kind of set it aside. He said that was kind of one of those really strange years where everything lined up in the right position, the right place, the right time. And it was just basically horrible from start to finish with snowstorms, deep cold. In fact, uh, wasn't it uh, Tim Taylor that remembers and talks about Right. The winter of 1950, uh, when he was growing up, as as something that he remembers, it was just Thanksgiving horrible. storm of 1950. My dad right. always talks about that one. Right, right. That was the beginning, and of course, it just, once it started, it never quit. Right. And the, it, it, the analogs, the um, the reanalysis of those years shows a deep cold in the center of the country that. That was wide, expansive, and just mm-hmm. would not quit. Other than maybe these little, little right. mini warm-ups here and there, which really didn't do anything for the average. Right. So, uh, last uh, February too, we had one of those kind of big, expansive colds. Remember that back in February of last year, it went down into southern Texas. That's right. Yeah. Last mm-hmm. February. So you know who know, you know we'll see. But yeah, I mean, the, the, like you said, the pattern this year I think is ripe for another one very similar to that. Whether or not it occurs in February, January remains mm. to be seen, but but we'll we'll have one. And it's just a matter of when and, like you said, how long and does that pattern have some staying power when it gets here? I still remember the cartoon that uh, appeared in our local newspaper in the uh, late 1970s <clears throat> when I was late in high school, just about ready to go into college. And basically, it, it was a... a a frame, a cartoon frame of an aircraft with nothing else. There was nothing else in the frame. There's just this aircraft, and, and it was shot from above, or you were looking at it from above with the two pilots talking. And uh, the one pilot said, I don't see anything down there. And the pilot said, yeah, we must be over Buffalo <laughs> uh, because of all of the snow that they got right. in, in the in the 1970s. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The blizzard of 76, 77, 77, 78. Those winners, two or three in a row there. Absolutely. Well, we'll see how we end up. We will revisit, I would imagine, uh, as the winter starts to kick into high gear. Let's see. We're we're now on November, November 3rd, Wednesday, November 3rd. 
And uh, perhaps as we start edging closer to Christmas, maybe between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we'll have you back on and and, uh, we'll revisit the winter weather outlook and see how we're doing. There you go. Also on my weather blog, too, I have uh, and you, if you go to Scott's World of Weather, if you Google that um, one of the posts, I think it might be the last post I did. I did a winter scorecard and it's got a whole bunch of different metrics. For, it's, it's for Cleveland. So if you're listening to this outside of northern Ohio, um, you know, I didn't do it for all the cities, but I got a checklist of like 15 18 different metrics. You know, how many days did we have a snow on the ground? Um, you know, one I want to do, which is taking some time is um, where does each winter rank with, with overall cloud cover? Mm-hmm. So I'll have all the, the winter scorecard and I did above and below normal. You can kind of compare and contrast It's color coded. You can check it out on my weather blog. And you can spend a lot of time on each of those posts. I will provide a link weatherjazz.com latest episode. Uh, so that uh, if you want to go visit Scott's uh, world of uh, weather, you can do that. It's And it's free. There you go. I should charge. No, I'm not going to charge. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I know one of our anchors always jokes around. Is it 1999? No, no, it's free. You can head over there. Check mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Scott, thanks uh, for joining us today. And uh, let's do it again. Keep uh, Keep us all in tune with what's uh, going on weather-wise, as you always do. Stay in those weeds. Don't don't come out of the weeds because the weeds tell a story. They do. And speaking of weeds, I got to go cut the grass one last time. Ooh. Uh, in our case, we're going to mow over the leaves if we can. But uh, right. the, the ground's getting a little soggy. You're getting a little tough to do that. So It well, is, yeah. It should start to dry out before everything kind of switches and flips over next week. Hi to your family, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, Andre. Well, 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 there you have it. The winter weather outlook in expanded format. And this is where weather jazz really shines because we have the um, essentially the, the freedom to sit back and to really examine very closely those things that drive the seasonal forecast. Now, if you want to see the TV version, again, that's on my website, weatherjazz.com, episode number 254. But this is really where we dig into some of those parameters, some of the weeds, if you will, and let you know what drives everything and, and why we think the way we do. Now, remember, a seasonal forecast is not the same thing as a weather forecast that you see for today, tonight, tomorrow, and the next few days. A seasonal forecast really uh, is dictated or pushed around by variables that are much bigger in scope than some of the ones that we use to forecast individual uh, counties, individual areas like Cleveland for today, tonight, tomorrow. You get sky condition, you get temperature, you get, if appropriate, rainfall and snowfall amounts, that kind of thing. That we don't do for a seasonal outlook. It's a much broader flavor, and hopefully this has taken a little bit of the mystery out of it. So if you know somebody that is into seasonal forecast, make sure you let them know about it. Episode number 254, weatherjazz.com. Two weather nerds just yapping and getting into the weeds of meteorology. And uh, I enjoy it every year, and I hope you do too. 
Well, if you have a question, perhaps that we did not have a chance to answer in this particular episode on long-range forecasting or anything else, I welcome your input. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. Or you can call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. My number is 234-525-5888. Again, 234-525-5888. And if you're listening to this podcast in the car or on a run and you can't transcribe that, not to worry. Just go to weatherjazz.com and click on the Contacts tab at the very top. By the way, I have added, finally, a new tab at the top. It's called Watch. If you ever want to see me on Fox 8 News, you can now watch via weatherjazz.com. Click on that one, and you'll see a player come up. And if you're watching between 5 and 6 p.m. or between 7 and 7.30 p.m. Monday through Friday, and that's Eastern Time in the USA, you can see what our television presence looks like and uh, maybe some of you don't even know what I look like and this is certainly one way to do it you can also go to fox8.com and click on the live tab and watch there as well just remember if we're in a commercial break many times you'll see a little billboard saying we'll be right back or sometimes it even stays uh, dark or blank in between Uh, That's uh, something that happens on virtually everybody's online rebroadcast platform. Many times you can't rebroadcast the television commercials uh, in an online format. That's why you see the uh, little billboard or uh, perhaps even a black screen for 30 seconds, 60 seconds or whatever. Just hang tight. After you hit the play, just sit back. If we're not in the programming, it will pop back on. That's the way that works. Well, we've got Open Line Friday coming your way, and I gave you an interesting question. There's still time to answer it, by the way, if you want to call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line and tell me what your favorite month of the year is and why. And a lot of great response. I also queried our Fox 8 team, many of whom you see on television, and you're going to find out what favorite months they have in their back pocket. And that's just one of the things that we'll be doing on Open Line Friday. Until then, have a great week. Stay warm. We'll see you on Friday. Weather and science across the globe. Weather Jazz Podcast.